All right, everybody, welcome to Aquarian Anarchy. I will get our little banner here set up. We have a very special guest with us tonight. Uh, Trey Quinn, a.k.a. Black Mountain Hotep, is in the building. We can't wait for uh, for this this conversation. This is something that uh, I've been wanting to do since uh, for, for a while now, and uh, probably for a few months, and we finally get to do it. want to remind everybody real quick, like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. Go to the Patreon uh, at uh, AquarianAnarchy.com. You can find the information there. Get on the patron um, list and throw tickets, man. So we can. Uh, Nico needs some needs some some gear in there to, to make his uh, make his camera fix the camera up and everything and get the. Uh, we got a banner coming. We got your banner coming. That's going to be beautiful. We're, we can't we wait. Finally, for that. We finally are in motion with the job. So you know. Hey, there you go. There you go. Starting tomorrow, bright early and bushy tailed. So <laughs> just sitting here learning and uh, taking my blessings. Yes, so, indeed. Know. Yes, indeed. Two shares to speed the spread. Share this if you haven't already. Um, send it out there, and we will uh, we will definitely appreciate as much of this. You know, we, we want to speed the spread, man. We want to spread this podcast everywhere. Um, without further ado, let's just get right into it. Trey Quinn, my man, I met you uh, through the uh, the Hotep Nation chat way back when I don't know a year and a half ago or something like that, and you have had quite the uh the last i don't know 12 15 months or so something like that so uh we we very much appreciate you coming on and um i don't know what how how's it how's life for you now like how, how are things going now i know it's been a you had a little rough stretch in there but hopefully things are on the right trajectory now i mean life life is good outside of you know fighting these court cases life is good my girl mm -hmm. she's uh 10 weeks pregnant some days hey. it's gonna be girl. I just found out today, so I'm congratulations, excited. man! Oh shit! Okay. All right. It could be. It couldn't be no better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Look, we. we yeah. Hey, look. Like, like I always say, we gotta. We, we have to. We have to outbreed the the normies and the goofballs out there. So, like, uh, I'm. All, I'm all about it. Can't wait to see another little hotep baby coming up in the uh, in the ranks. It's right, a watch sure. out world. Yeah. Um, hey, man, I added my four. I got four out there. <laughs> We're good. I got me four added right, to the right, pool right. of not stupid people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Y'all got to catch so, up. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> so uh, I want to I want to we, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty with our uh, Libre stream, but I still want to. I want to emphasize like we're, we're working, we're working through kind of, this is a platform that just launched um, with Saul and Corey um, getting, getting that thing done. We're having a little bit of an issue tonight. So we're not live streaming right there tonight, but we will, we will get the show uploaded there. Um, so if you want to watch a replay, please, I, I request that you go there and watch the, watch the replay there. If you, if you don't get a chance to see this live or if you want to watch it back again, um, cause they are, they're trying to do to build a place where we can go where we can actually have the freedom that we need that YouTube really doesn't give us. Um, and so we are we are working in that direction. So um, so I see you. I see you back there. You're, uh, you're I'm a Virgo. So, you know, straightening out the uh, the RBG. Um, oh, yeah, let's let's just me. get let's just get right into it. Yeah, I know. Right. Let's, let's just get right into it. So um, when I when I talked to you earlier today, we were talking about kind of like the what I what I think needs to happen why I wanted this why we wanted you to come on the show 
is for a, a, a handful of reasons. One of them is that there's a there's a tendency. Marcus and I are very active in, in libertarianism in the Libertarian Party and, and in that movement. And similar to like the Democratic Party, there's a tendency for the the white libertarians, the the white liberal-ish libertarians to pretend to understand and to speak for black people and what they want without necessarily really asking them. Um, and, and that, and a lot of what you, what you went through with, uh, with some of the, the activism and stuff like that, that you've been doing for, for the last, uh, year plus, you kind of witnessed some of that, how that you get that, that sort of, uh, I don't know, not hijacking, but like a, an assumption that like, I'm here to help. So what, you know, I know how to help you without asking you what will actually be helpful. So, that, so that's one of the targets that I want to kind of um, direct the messaging at. The other one is white conservatives <laughs> who who are kind of on the other end where they're like, oh, no, we're here to help. We're here to rescue rescue you from them. And uh, what, the way we're going to do that is we're going to tell you that you're stupid for associating with them and that we are going to point the finger at anything that goes wrong and say that, that that's because you're you're part of that that team over there that we don't like. Um, so that's that's two of the, the objectives. And then the other one was I was really um, excited to have you come on because I think for um, for for someone in Nico's position who is, you know, young, you know, 22 years old in Chicago. And I mean, you see the stack of books behind him. He's he's kind of he's kind of starting to work, work through that path um, yeah. that, that 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 you've been on of of learning about you know culture your ancestry and like the the fuckery that has gone on as as you've as you've come up and 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 in in the black community relative to the state um and so i wanted to have i wanted to have him have a, a free forum to be able to pick your brain on what what you've studied and how you've you know messaged and 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 conveyed that to people because you've had you've had some success with with that so um with that, I, I just want to like let's let's get into um, the the movement that that kind of started when you saw some of the things that were starting to happen in the streets um, last spring and and summer and like how that kind of evolved from or if you want to go back further than that like if you want to start because um, I think your 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 activism kind of started well before that. Um, or at least your 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 study of of uh, kind of where you approached hotepism, so to speak, um, how you got there. Oh well, yeah. So, I mean, I I found hotepism through my own cultural studies. I didn't even know that that's what it was called. But I mean, I was I was studying who you would be describing as hoteps if you took them for what a hotep actually is, rather than if you were to Google. It. You know, and uh, in the beginning, I didn't I didn't know anything salacious about being a hotep. All I knew was historically I was finding out that this is where I existed. This is the vein that I existed. I listened to all of the people that I studied, uh, you know, cassettes and videos of them, read their books and kind of just went through, uh, listened to their students. And I found that there was a lot more 
to being a hotep than you know than the comedic philosophy, which is originally where you hear that word, right? You know, mm -hmm. there was a there, there's an actual science to being to being this to being a black nationalist because uh, that's for myself being a hotep and a black nationalist are two in the same thing. For others, it's not that, you know, then, and that's, that is a good thing about being a hotel is that you can not be one of those, you know, you can be, uh, you know, an, Af uh, an Afrocentrist, you can be, uh, you can be a liberal or conservative version of a hotel, you know, but for, for me, the real root of it is being a, a black nationalist. So my studies, got really intense right before the protest season and I started sharing my knowledge with people online and I, I wrote a book and when mm -hmm. I wrote the book my goal was to just deliver all of the work that I you know had went through as well as all of the educational knowledge so that people could pick through it on their own so I listed all these resources of all of these books that woke me out of the grave and uh in the end I realized like, you know, there was going to be more work to be done if I was doing this all online because reaching black people online is hard. Um, right. They just, you know, I mean, to be honest, they just don't want to hear what you have to say when you start talking pro-black. They have a lot of things to say. You know, everybody's on their keyboard. They Google what a hotep is and then they get the eight videos of the, you know, eight jackasses out there who say some wild shit about women. Or, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. They, they, get, they get some nigga with an onk on his head you know, running around, you know, saying all sorts mm -hmm. of crazy stuff, you know, and, <laughs> and so it, it's really hard to reach black people for real, for real. And unless you're more, uh, unless you're more centric to, uh, I guess, to Pan-Africanism and to nationalism, then they tend, they tend to hear you. They, they are capable of differentiating you from a regular hotel, but what they perceive as a regular hotel. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, obviously this is not the same type of person but it, it also requires on your part uh, to be able to stop them in their tracks, you know, with knowledge to be able to stop them in their tracks with all these other things. So anyway, I digress. I, I, I found all of this knowledge and I found that it was hard to reach people. And mm. almost simultaneously, as this was happening, George Floyd was murdered. And so I came out, saw the protests evolving and I saw black people leading. I saw black people speaking in Colorado, mind you, which, you know, black people are so <laughs> in Colorado. So to see them out there talking anything close to what I was saying was inspiring. And so I stayed out there and it, it just, it evolved from there. It, it transformed from being about black people or, you know, like everyone was caught up in the moment, you know, when, you know, it's, it's like when you go on like a, a vacation or a honeymoon, there's just that one moment that trumps everything else, and mm. you know that that that's kind of what it was like. Everybody was kind of like swept up in a feeling. I could I could I could tell I could tell I could feel it in the air. You know, mm. it was they were swept up in something they believed they were a part of history, and mm. in some in some cases, some people were, but everybody there they wanted their place in history. I'm sure they mm. wanted they wanted their Bernie Sanders "I Walk with Dr. King" moment. You know, mm. and mm. I used that reference because, you know, obviously Bernie ain't done shit for black people since he walked with Dr. King. So they wanted that, they wanted that moment right there, right? They wanted that. You could argue he might not have been doing anything, you know, for black people then either, you know, like, yeah, exactly, you know, <laughs> he's doing shit for himself. <laughs> right. 
uh, uh, so apparently it was like co-opted from being strictly black to including everybody. So like Bernie had every mm-hmm. right because he was inclusive to it. So come mm-hmm. on now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Got You know, when, when your own people sell you up the river, it's a little hard to, you know, to swim back to mm-hmm. shore. So I, for, mm-hmm. for me, it was, a, it was seeing people out there ready to be uh, taught, I guess, ready to hear. You know, everybody's hearts are open. Everybody's minds are open. There's a lot of energy in the atmosphere. And, you know, people are sharing that energy. You go home and you feel everybody at the end of the day. You feel the weight of everyone else's energy on you. And so that's the perfect mm-hmm. time to really to really hit people if they're capable of listening, if they're capable of understanding you. And so I stayed out there and I ended up marching with a lot of good people and then marching leading marches myself and then leading marches with other people. And uh, it, it just snowballed from there, from, from really from that point. Yeah. Well, that, so like when, when you had, when, when you interviewed with Hotep Jesus um, a couple of weeks ago, the thing that jumped out to me was that you gave a very different picture in so many different ways. It was like the, it was like the movement itself that you were part of was a prism and that the light that went through it, it depended on which direction you saw, like what color the light was that came out of that. And there were so many different perspectives and there were, there were, there were different light sources too. Right. So like you had, you didn't just have different perceptions of what was going on because of some of the stuff that was being influenced, but you also had these different influences. So like what I want to hear more about, like what you saw that was like the pure part of like what you're talking about, that openness to learn and the people who were genuinely there for the right reasons versus, and then we can get into some of the stuff that, that happened uh, later that was not so pure in intention. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, in, in the, this really is credence to all who don't exist in the conservative uh, world, because I typically, before all of this, would talk to conservatives because they were easier to get through to. And uh, when I was out there, the people that ended up being the most pure and ready to be taught were people who in all other communities are castigated for their ideologies, right? I'm talking about the LGBTQ community, right? The rainbow community. They were out there in force and there was a contingent of them, some who were unhoused, some who weren't, who were all about black people to a fault to, you know, these people would do, do, next to dangerous things, put their lives on the line genuinely for you. And the only mm-hmm. way you can tell if they're genuine is having a conversation with them. Right. And, uh, I, I was talking to some of these people and I was like, wow, the fact that you could even pick up on me, let alone speak for me the same way that I'm speaking rather than try to make this about you, which is what mm-hmm. the black community is used to. You know, we get a good movement mm-hmm. and those are, that's one of the first groups that come around and takes it from a black perspective to a, a gender perspective, right? Right, right. <laughs> so they were out there in force. Uh, you know, obviously the black people that I came across, there was, you know, with the exception of a handful, uh, the rest were on code. The rest were on code and they were ready to be talked to. Um, mm. I, I would say that, uh, you know, the white anarchists were definitely not, uh, they, they didn't they didn't want any anything to do with what the way that we were talking, but there were uh, some small pockets of people who considered themselves true anarchists who were absolutely there 
to learn. And I mean, through all of these, what ended up happening was, you know, some communists, socialists, people in the Rainbow Squad, you know, people in all these other communities, a few of them in there were hotep in their own right, were, you know, woken to the, in their own right. You know, you had a, a Hispanic girl who talked about, uh, the uh, not a Hispanic girl, an Asian girl, she talked about model minority. She was one of our friends. She got up on the mic on uh, uh, city council and she was just spitting the model minority stuff, like telling people this is crap, that this is what it is. And not saying, oh, this is something that's been put on us as to make herself a victim, but saying this is something we participate in and it's wrong. Mm. And, you know, we had his uh, Hispanic girl, she got up there and she was doing the same thing, talking about anti-blackness in the Hispanic community, which when you're black and you say that, they try to relegate you to the uh, to the realm of racist, but when you're Hispanic <laughs> and say that, obviously they accept it. And so mm -hmm. her saying that was really important for me. So, you know, I think the true minds that I found kind of existed everywhere. You know, they, they were just little pockets. Mm -hmm. You really had to talk to them. Right, to, yeah. To get, to get yeah. To I want to interject real quick. One of the things, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for saying the real anarchist because, uh, you know, most <laughs> yeah, I, of the, I noticed that too. I was like, right, yeah, well, you heard that, right, people? <laughs> right, right. I, I, want to, I want to say, first of all, thank you for that um, because a real anarchist is not Antifa. A real anarchist is not somebody trying to hurt nobody. They're just trying to live ethically. But I'll come to learn too. Right, right, right. right. Sure. And exactly. But one of the things, and, and that what you just said is exactly what my point was going to be. How you can tell that, for instance, the three of us aren't trying to glam on to what you're talking about and make it our own. Mm. When because truthfully, I found Hoteps through Chad, and which seems weird, but that's that's the truth. And uh, but I didn't go, oh, I can use this. No, I went, oh, shit, these are a group of people that are freedom fighters that I can learn from. You know, my mm. background is, you know, Murray Rothbard and Lysander Spooner, anarchists, you know. And when I found the, you know, I had, I've been reading Malcolm X for a long time, um, but looking at diversifying that, you know, and looking into some of these other personalities, these people are should have been recognized for the leaders that they were. And of course, the state has put them down. But my point is that you've learned from anarchists and we're anarchists learning from HOTAPs because mm -hmm. that's how an exchange works is when you both are working together, even though you may have differences here and there moving towards uh, this, a similar goal. Um, so, for me, um, I, I want to kind of hear more. And I, I watched the the Hotep Jesus video as well. Excuse me. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm getting choked out. Hoke is not a sponsor of the show, by the way. <laughs> right, for sure. <laughs> yeah, fuck right. Oh, put that shit away, man. Thanks for that. Right. Thank you, so, <laughs> so anyway, um, you had talked about the like invasion of the different groups to co-opt what was going on. It reminded me a lot of COINTELPRO and it reminded me a lot of what they did to the Black Panthers. And I'd like you to get into how that happened. So <laughs> I saw it, I knew that it was gonna happen before I even set foot out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a, the, the least trafficked video on my 
uh, less traffic YouTube was me saying, they're going to steal the movement. Black people get out there, they're gonna steal this from you. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, then you know these next things are gonna happen to you, right? That's, that was literally my thought process. Uh, and, and I went out there and I didn't know truly the depths to which people will join to co-op, uh, allow co-opting to happen or the rhetoric that was used to do it. You know, I, I had studied uh, enough black history to know that co-opting co exists, right? Mm -hmm. But when it happens firsthand, it's different than when you read it in a, in a, in a book. You know, when, 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 when Malcolm says, or when Khalid says, these people did this to our community, right? When they say that this is what happens, other people can pick that apart and say, well, you know, the truth is blank and the truth is blank and all these truths are your fault. If you actually go out there, you're gonna recognize that these men were telling more than just uh, a blank truth. These men were telling the coldest truth you could ever find. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I went out there and I remember, I remember I would speak my, you know, my piece up on the microphone and people would cheer and people were there. And then I would look out into the crowd and I would see on the edges of the crowd, you know, people in red shirts or, you know, little groups here and little groups there. And they're in their little circles talking to each other. You don't, you don't really know what's happening in those circles until you penetrate those circles. And I am not someone like, I, I like to, I like confrontation of, of, a, of a verbal sense. I like to, you know, I like to debate. I like to debate right. everybody. And so during these protest times, I would just walk around and just pick people, listen to what they're saying. And if I disagreed with a damn, a single scintilla of what you were saying, it's on. I'm gonna go in until I can prove that whatever it is you're spitting, you're spitting from a, you know, a weak background, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I was doing this, I was meeting people who were leading larger marches and I met a, uh, I met a white gentleman and a group of, uh, uh, it, was, it was a mixed race uh, group, but it was mostly white people. And they were pulling the strings on a whole black man while he was trying mm. to do things for black people, him and a bunch of other black men. And behind the scenes, they were pulling the strings. And uh, you know they, they don't tell you they're pulling the strings. What happens is that they think that you're capable of leading and then they open themselves up for you to find out that they pull strings. You know, they come up to you and they talk to you and they ask you to lead a march and use a specific type of rhetoric. Or they ask you to show up at an event that is for their cause, right? Mm -hmm. They ask you for these things when they see that you're capable of moving people. And I mm -hmm. saw that a lot. I saw, um, uh, so the socialists really took over completely. PSL, the group PSL, they stole the show. They stole the show. Uh, I was there firsthand on the ground when it happened. Uh, there was a there was a group called We Are Love Denver, and they were torn down because people believed that they were working with the police, and rightfully mm -hmm. so. They marched with the police. They had the you know commissioner or whatever the police chief talking on their platform at one point. And from the outside perspective, it's easy to see that. From the inside perspective, I believe that they those those black men were used by police and by the white people in their group who had police contacts who said, well, this is how we should do this, and this is how we should do that. These men were not pulling those strings. But anyway, uh, this was one of their marches, and it was a huge march. They were going up and down Denver, and we got to the bottom of the Capitol. It was nighttime, and I, like, I, I ride a skateboard, so I like to ride in the front of all the marches, and it really gives me a chance to see the atmosphere, right? And so I started doing this in the beginning. 
And so I'm up at the front. We get up to the Capitol. I get up on the stairs and I hear them uh, starting to do speeches. These brothers are starting to do speeches and everybody's kneeling. And so I go down to the, uh, to the light and I stand by and I listen. I never kneel because I believe that kneeling is not going to save me or liberate me. Mm -hmm. So if you want me to kneel or asking me to kneel is to propose to a woman, it is not going to be because I think this kneeling is going to help my people. That's not how this works. And mm -hmm. so... I would stand. You know, in fact, right. it's usually the opposite. It's usually it's usually <laughs> bending the knee is like an act of submission. No, <laughs> so, no. An act, yeah. an act of submission is capitulating to my demands and giving things to my community. That's right. an act of submission. Right. Any other right. anything else is for right. 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 So, I, you know, I, I was sitting up in front of this group listening to these brothers speak, and somebody came up and they're like, "Hey, half of the march was stolen." And I didn't know PSL was a group yet. I didn't know that socialists were really like thick yet. I had come across a few and I had spit some facts to a few of how their socialism doesn't help black people. But at the end of the day, right, I didn't see a lot. And so this was the first time like I had really seen them on the scene. And uh, they were like, yeah, these, these, they led this march up to this police station. So the black man who was leading, he was like, I need some strong brothers to come and help me. And I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like me and five other brothers who uh, three of which are really close to me now. And uh, we all volunteer. We volunteer. I, for me, it wasn't that them protesting the police was wrong. It was that when you disrupt a mass movement, instead of change the ideology or narrative or rhetoric of a mass movement for the good of the people, when you disrupt it instead, because you believe that they're leading improperly, what you do is you create too many factions, you create a, a sense of that factionalism destroys a movement. It doesn't allow people to work together because now they're broken up. At one at one point in time, everyone's together, they're one big blob. And you can change the the, the consistency of that if you're if you're good enough. But if you break it up because you don't like the consistency, then now you have less than what you started with. And so for me, that's what the point was going to stop this mark to stop this was uh, was for. And so we go up. And uh, they're in front of the police station and I see these red shirts and it's a bunch of white people and there's two black women up there and one black man on the ground. And uh, the black woman I ended up speaking to to a, to a great length and she was she was woke. She was she was real woke until she started spitting mad socialism. Then all of a sudden she wasn't woke to me no more. Then she was, a, a you know, another another one in the in the in the bush. And so. Yeah. I got up there. We, we we tried to break up this protest, and this uh this brother he got on the mic and he was like, "Y'all don't understand. I'm a black man trying to do things right." And so what I saw was I saw someone who was incapable of doing what he had undertaken fully. Right? He needed some help. But what I also saw was someone who was genuine about actually trying to help people. He was on a truck crying in front of hundreds of white people with a peppering of black people trying to beg them to follow him because he believes he can help his people. That's what I saw. Everybody else can say whatever they want to say. That's what I saw. And so I stuck around to communicate with these brothers specifically. And uh, so that was the first co-opting of a march I'd ever seen. Uh, they had taken uh, the tail end of, it had to be, it was, the, we were stretching blocks, just put it this way. We were stretching blocks. It was so far that when the tail broke, you couldn't see the tail break. And they had already been at the police station when the march had come all the way back, you know, all these beautiful things. And uh, so that was the first co-opting of a march of a situation that I'd seen and, and I was really on it. 
about the socialists. I was like, anytime, anytime a socialist comes up to me and says anything, the first thing I'm going to attack is their socialism before I attack black liberation, because they think that those things are synonymous and they're not. And so this kept happening. Uh, more and more groups kept popping up would try to throw little marches or throw little events, but no one was really biting because as long as black organizers were out there, they wanted to go there, right? You know, fast forward to after, uh, after I got arrested and got back out, um, after some other leaders got arrested, what ended up happening was you saw every march being led by a white person or a white communist group. What you started seeing was less uh, BLM flags. And again, we all know about BLM. For me, I call it the Black Liberation Movement, not Black Lives Matter, uh, because you're not gonna take that from me. You're not gonna take, you're not gonna, you don't have the right to take words from me as a black man, especially when those words were created for myself. You don't have the right. And so I, I don't care. So, but yeah, there was, you know, it went from BLM flags and Pan-African flags and this and that to uh, big red communist flags. And, and, <laughs> and I steadily lost interest in coming out, but I kept coming out. Uh, I kept, I wanted to see this, these interactions and more and more, it was class, class and less race, race. It was, uh, you know, they were uh, amplify and support melanated voices or BIPOC voices, right? But when a BIPOC voice or a black, when a black voice, let me get that right, when a black voice would stand up right. and say something, they had an issue. They started having problems with black liberation being the tone of the protest. Um, you know, uh, they had started a group called the, uh, um, it's called the General Assembly. And the General Assembly was where all of these groups would kind of sit down, coalesce, and talk about their issues in the protest movement. And so me and a bunch of other black organizers and speakers went there and we would get up and we would say our piece and that, that night online, we would be trashed on Reddit by all of these white anarchists, uh, all of these white socialists. Uh, and so, I mean, some they were calling us Nazis, they were calling us misogynists, they were calling us, uh, you know, um, queerphobic or homophobic, they were calling us everything under the book that you have heard online. We were getting it just for standing up speaking. It got to a point where I became like the figurehead of their hatred. And mm. so there, there was one uh, specific event where a brother of mine, two brothers, they got up and they spoke, right? They got up and they spoke. And that night on Reddit, they trashed their speeches, but called them me. They were like, what's the deal with Trey and this? And oh, it, wow. it, was, it, was, it was them talking, but it was me. And it was right. essentially, you know, the antithesis of uh, all black people look alike to them. You know, this is, uh, this is all, all black, all black people look alike. Obviously. <laughs> we started, uh, we started a trend where we would, uh, all of us would just call ourselves Trey because they all <laughs> called me that. And so right. for a good couple of weeks, we would come out and whenever we would get up to speak, uh, someone else who would get up, they'd be like, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, goopy Trey or I'm smart Trey or whatever. And, uh, it, 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 but it was like that. It was like that. Yeah. That's how much, Damn. that's how much, and, and it got way deeper than that. You know, they went to my, right through my tweets, uh, mm. retroactively went through my tweets for no reason but to just take me down. And it was a white woman and her group of white women who now, by the way, calls herself the protest mom. Uh, she went on this campaign to tell people I was an FBI agent 
she went on this campaign. First, she told people I didn't have charges. Then she told people if I did have charges, they weren't that bad. Then she told people I had charges because I was an agent and really they needed to take me in. She had all of these things mm -hmm. to say about me. She still has not given me the humanity of speaking to me as, a, as you know, face to face. Because one of, of the not. things, again, that I came to notice was that, and, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds so anti-socialist, right? Because it's only socialists that I'm coming up against when I'm having these problems, <laughs> right? right. right? Uh, it's only socialists that I'm coming up against when I'm having these problems. But uh, I mean, it's it just, it got way too far. It got way too far. And me being a hotep started getting attacked because I, up until this point, they would listen to me speak. They would hear me say I'm a hotep. They would hear me say I'm a, I'm a hotep. I'm a black nationalist. I'm a Hebrew Israelite. I'm a, this, that, and I would say I'm all of these things, right? Because historically, there's so many things that black, the diaspora can call themselves. And I would do that. I would do that because that's who I am. And they were eating it up and eating it up and eating it up until the program didn't fit socialism and communism. So much so that my hotepism was attacked. So then I became an anti-Semite. Uh, then, you know, they, they went on, uh, on Hotep Jesus' uh, uh, page, on the Hotep Nation page, to find... Mm -hmm. The article that said um, "hoteps are the uh, are the are the all right for black people," right? Mm -hmm. They right. didn't. They didn't. Um, and, and keep in mind, and, and and when I say this, I'm talking about the specific ones who don't understand. These idiots did not come to think to ask me what this was or ask me what I am or what. Hotep means. They didn't think at any point in time. The, uh, to, to understand the context of, of that article that they tried to conflate me with, to conflate us all with all rightism, right? Uh, we were saying that in the black community, they treat hoteps like the pariahs because we are the nationalists of the community. So therefore, like the alt-right is the nationalists of the white community, we are the nationalists of that community, right? They don't understand that. They couldn't gather those distinctions. It was disgusting. Um, so they came at my hotepism and, uh, that's when I found the real ones in the groups because I personally uh, took it upon myself to speak to those who may be offended by some of the things that I'd say. Um, you know, I said Planned Parenthood was uh, should be uh, abolished. I said um, I said that uh, the LGBTQ community and our community don't have um, the same problems. I said those things, and mm -hmm. I had to go. I had to go to people and tell them what I really mean by these. Cause I knew yeah, that well, you of, said it. Right. Yeah, because right. a lot of the people who marched with me who were who had my back ended up being queer people. And so mm -hmm. for them it was a really big blow, right? It was a really big right. blow. But then also, side note, the fact that I came out to help liberate black people and I can't even get a, a, a percentage of black people that outweighs the percentage of others is a problem in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, so, so I went out to apologize to these people, tell them like, listen, if you were hurt by how I said these things, I'm sorry. Let me explain these things to you. You know, I'm a black man and I'm from a black community and I was raised by black women and I respect and uh, idolize black women and pray to them. And for my, from my perspective, what's happened to black women because of Planned Parenthood is disgusting. So I personally felt this way, right? Mm -hmm. I understand what the institution does for other people. So I'll never go on a campaign to end that institution because I know personally from the people in my circle that that institution does things that help them that no other institution will, right? right. 
that is understandable, especially for the unhoused who cannot get services. They need Planned Parenthood. Unfortunately, they need it. But what we don't need is Planned Parenthood marketing themselves to the black community, especially mm -hmm. since they were created to destroy the black community in the beginning. We don't need that. And so that's what I meant, right? I had to explain that. Uh, you know, I had to explain that just because uh, two people, you know, if, if you take a black person and a black queer, queer person and they both get brutalized, their blackness is still the common factor in their brutalization. I know this for a fact out here, the white queer community does way better than the black com queer community. And they will tell you that themselves. And so mm -hmm. these are things where our problems are not the same. If you're black first, then there's an issue in whatever system you're dealing with, you know, mm -hmm. when, it, when it comes to this type of, um, to this type of atmosphere. Yeah. You and can so, be anything, you can be anything but black first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, pretty much, that's, that's pretty much the, uh, the, the rules are like, yeah. Hey, wait, wait, wait a second. We're all in this together. I don't know why you have to make it all about being black, but you know, like what, what the fuck? Like, why does it get to be about all these other things, but we can't like, like <laughs> we can't stand up for ourselves. What the fuck? Right. That's right. yeah, to That's me, right. to me, the 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 I guess cojones on these people to when it is a a supposed to be a black inspired um, movement, you know, as a white man who in in I see color, I see color. You are not a white man. You have a different background than I do. I see color, but if I'm coming out to help you. I'm not dealing with my issues. I'm not going to talk about anarchy and I'm not going to try to say, hey, become a voluntarist, do this stuff. No, I'm out to help you. My point to be there is to help the black community because I feel kinship with many of the people in the black community or I think that you've been wronged or whatever that would be. So to me, the balls on these people to, to try to make it about their issue and try to make it about them when the focus was my understanding, at least throughout this year, has been black people are being brutalized by the police and it needs to fucking stop. And that's what that should have been about. It should not have been about, I don't give a damn if somebody's gay, straight, they like deer, I don't give a damn if it's consensual. But that's not what the moment is about. The moment was about black people and they should have been empowered and instead especially yeah, black men I, too that's the other right. part of it is that somehow yeah, black men became like a soapbox to stand on so that yeah. all these other things could be talked about what were yeah, you saying Nico? It, it, it sucks to be like in the position because it's like i have like a lot of a lot of my cousins my age are like all a part of like the other side that just don't align with hotep so it's like it's different. It's difficult when I know I want to speak up about a certain matter, but they just all step on me or, you know, get feisty. And I'm like, there's no point. There's no point. And even if I try and attempt to out-educate them, they're in college. So, you know, they'll use their little denial tricks that they've been enforced and infringed upon. So, you know, they're, they're, they're real crafty with instituting it. I'll say that. Their deflection <laughs> tactics are, are real good. They, I'm telling you right now, I had to deal with a lot of that out here on the ground. And um, because you you had, a, I mean, it wasn't just like, you know, woke old black, nationally black people who came out. We are in Colorado. And as I said to Hotep is, you know, Hotep Jesus, is that when you are in your minority, the majority shapes your thinking. It's, it's, it's inherent. And so mm -hmm. there was a lot of liberal thinking in the black community when I would have conversations with them sometimes. Sometimes the breakdown would come to philosophy and 
uh, one of the things, because I've had that issue, right? I've had the issue of trying to reach uh, a black person who is adverse, um, who doesn't who doesn't like hotepism or or anything that could be considered that, right? They're like, oh, this pro-black stuff. Let me tell you about you know Thomas Sowell. Let me tell you about MLK, right? They got they 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 have their 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 way to debate you. They have a way to debate you. The thing is, is that history, history just is so clear about who the true inspires were. History is so clear about who actually made it possible for some of the people that these other black people uh, uh, idolized that made it possible for them to teach. You know, when 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 they go and they use their philosophies of rhetoric, and I have to come against that. The first thing I attack is who taught your teacher? Who taught the people who inspire you? Yeah. Let me explain to you what it is that inspired them to even say the things that they can say. And then let me explain to you the the, the systems in, in the white world that have turned your teacher into a buck dancer, that have turned you, you know, because that's what it is. You know, they, listen, I love Cornell West, but I don't love Cornell West right now, right? I don't like his rhetoric right now, but I loved his rhetoric back then, right? You have to be able to take their knowledge and spit it to them first, tell them what they know first, and then tell them why they why what they know isn't that it's wrong, it's that it's ineffective for our community. You have to mm -hmm. actually hit them at their knowledge base first. You have to do what's called um, uh, uh, steel manning, steel manning, not straw manning, Steel manning. When you debate with somebody, you speak what they, whatever they have to tell you. You do that first. Uh, a good example is Eight Mile. When Eminem fa uh, battled Papa Doc, he steel manned Papa Doc. Right? He was mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, let me tell you about me first, right? Because that's what Papa Doc going to say." Yeah, I shit talk myself for this whole thing, and then I'll just exactly. leave you silent. You know what I mean? Exactly. What you can exactly. say now? I just built up your whole argument for you, and now I'm going to dismantle it. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you steel man their opinion because what they're going to do is straw man you first. And straw manning, yeah. when it comes to black nationalism, it's easy to defeat that if you know your history. If you know your black history, your African history, then they cannot straw man you because every straw man argument is based on a theological lie. It's based on uh, an, an absence of evidence. It's based on a type of bias that is inherent to the writer. It's based on any one of these things. And so you attack that first, you attack that first, then they have nothing to stand on. Then the conversation will break down, you will get insulted possibly first, you know, uh, but if you make it past that, then you educate them, you give them the option. What you do is first you tell them whatever they perceive about you and uh, your hotepism or your nationalism or this, let's first break down, do you understand what nationalism is? Do you know what that means? You know, uh, um, I had to explain, uh, uh, it's actually to a white person uh, who understood it because they had heard me say I was a black nationalist and they were like, you know, I just wanted to talk to you because I, I, from what I know about nationalism is, you know, like white nationalism and this and that. And so I had to sit down with them and express to them what it means to be a black nationalist. White nationalism is just America. That's just what this is. <laughs> Statism. <laughs> Black nationalism is having something within that society 
for real, having a structure, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at the buildings and the skyline and knowing your community has stake in some of that the same way that other communities have. That's what nationalism mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It's not about superiority over the white race. Uh, it's not about uh, uh, separation from the white race. It's about communication with your people, right? They go, well, I don't believe in separatism. I don't want to be a separatist or you know this or that. You tell them it is not about not working with your white peer. It's about working with your black peer. Because that's what yeah. we don't do. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, what is it? It's uh, it's funny you say that because that's like, I'm starting to like hear more often, like, why do you think other people are able to come over here and build up off the, it's because of their nationality. You know, in America, they want to keep you black and white. And, you know, POC, they give you these little labels instead of giving you a nationality so you can build up off yourself. That's right. Yeah. Well, and like I, I started to realize just like within, if you think about it, like a family reunion or like even your small, like your little family, like I have two boys and the oldest one's 15. The, the youngest one's about to be 12. Well, they do the yard work now, you know, like they're old enough to the, to where it's like, why would I, if I'm out of town and I'm traveling and all that stuff and I can't do it myself, why would I pay somebody else, give them the money? to come do this stuff when I can just have one of my boys do it and pay them, keep that money in the family, let them build their own wealth, let them learn how to do a trade, how to do something that has value. And then they, if they want to go around the neighborhood and do that with some other, some other families, now they, now they've learned the skill and I'm okay with them learning on my yard because they're my boys, you know? So I'm going to let them Guinea pig my yard to a certain degree because I can kind of clean up after them if they don't edge right or whatever, you know, but, but that, that's, that's kind of what it boils down to is that this isn't about like hatred or anything like that. This is just about why, what's wrong with kind of keeping stuff in the family when you can, so that you can build yourself from, from power. I was, uh, I was watching and, and listening to uh, Dave Smith and Hotep Jesus today. And they were talking about like the, the, like the power dynamic and that part of this is just about like allowing yourself and allowing people to build and for it to be okay to talk about. Uh, I put a tweet out a while back with a poll. I was like, white conservatives only. What part of this upsets you more? Black power. Is it black or is it power? Which one of them? And so then it was just like, and then I had a third option. The third option was neither black power, you know? And so, so it was like, like, if you if you have a problem with that, then you don't really understand what it means to do what I'm doing with my boys, which is just it's not because I hate other people from other families or because I hate the people who drive around with their trucks with the little phone number on the side saying that they do yard work or whatever. It's because I love my boys and I want them to learn and I want to keep I want to keep that money here. And I, the same thing with like my daughter, she's she's about to go to college and I'm looking at like I want to buy a little condo that's close to campus because the other two kids are going to have to go. They're going to be doing that stuff. And so like, instead of renting an apartment, why don't I just buy one and then have them live there, keep that money in the family. And then I'll rent it to somebody else after they're done going to school. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thinking that way instead of the, the other way. And that's why whenever you start doing what you're doing, it's threatening to people because it's like, whoa, 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 wait a second competition's coming <laughs> let's put it, let's nip that shit in the bud that's right well I, I think i think sometimes what it comes down to you know is that 
people they they rest on their own understanding of things so much that it uh, it makes it harder for them to question their surroundings, to question their own philosophies. Uh, you know, when 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 someone says black power and someone's afraid of that statement, it's the word power that they're afraid of, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not the it's not because of what power actually means. It's because their interpretation of power yeah. is based off of those who've had power over them, right? So now yeah. they see all forms of power is a a, a form that will disaffect them. Okay, except for. Except they don't think power, they think the opposite of power is kindness. Exactly. Like, no, the opposite exactly. of power is helplessness. Exactly. <laughs> now, now when you when when you're in a hurt position, right, and you go to stand up, what do you say? You say, I feel empowered. I feel mm -hmm. empowered. So when we say black power, we're saying black empowerment, right? Yeah. We're saying stand up from a position of weakness to a position of power, not a position of control over another. Uh, and, and always, whenever someone has a problem with someone who speaks militaristically, when someone who speaks nationalistically, it, it always comes down to the root to how they interpret the words that that person says. Uh, when, when you speak to people, if you interpret what they say based on your understanding rather than what the words mean, you'll never, ever get anywhere. Because by, by, right. by, by checking what they mean, it allows for the person to then describe to you if that's what they actually meant. Because now they get to figure out, is that what I mean? Are these the words I meant to use? When you try to describe that, when you interpret it that way. And it allows for you also to not seem biased in your interpretation. And it breaks down the communication to a level where you're both on the same plane. That's 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 severely lacking. That same playing field is what I was going to say earlier. Never discount that there is a fear of lack of, the, of losing their own power. If you're empowered, you know, white people have been in charge for uh, forever, for a long fucking time. And they don't want to lose that power and they damn sure don't want to share it. So they, they don't want an even playing field. They don't want your community handling itself and somebody else's community handling themselves. That That's the beauty. What you're talking about is what we were preaching for three years in the Kokesh campaign. It is about localization, about returning power to the people so that they can make their own decisions, so that they can you know, determine where their life goes. Like Chad was talking about, he wants to use his kids to mow his, to do his lawn. And- I don't really use them, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> no, I mean, I, no, seriously, yeah. like I want, them to, I want them to be able to raise money so they can buy shit that they want and I don't have to, you know, it's not like, daddy, can I have the, you know, like, no, you, yeah. Did you save up money? You, how many yards have you cut? You know, that kind of shit. Because that's how, yeah. I mean- that's how the world fucking works, man. You gotta, you gotta produce to to be able to to be able to go get shit, you know. So that's right, and 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 that's that's another thing is that you know another bad interpretation is the word capital or money in mm -hmm. in these communities, right? Because you know when I'm out there and I'm talking, my my whole perspective is we're we're trying to attack the money. Black people, we need the funds, the money. It's about our economics, right? All of these things. We need mm -hmm. access to capital. And you say the words, black people need access to capital. And almost guaranteed, there'll be like five white, white anarchists around you who are going to be like, oh, well, capitalism is bad, you know? Listen, <laughs> motherfucker, your community has to. That's why capitalism is bad for you. Right. For me, for me right, when I go to, go to Baltimore, right? Go to West Baltimore, right? 
go to my grandma's neighborhood mm -hmm. and you tell them people living in row houses that capitalism is bad when they're all trying to get a business so that they can fix their fucking neighborhood. Tell me that shit. Go there and say that shit. If you can't do that, which is the, which is the issue, they can't mm -hmm. do that. Then shut the fuck up. Understand what your politics mean to you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Black yeah. people can't practice uh, socialism because we ain't got nothing to, to share with our own community and ain't no community going to share with us. Come on. That's right. not how it works. When we talk about socialism, though, let's be clear, because you were talking earlier. Let's be clear. With socialism, every socialist is a disguised dictator. All they're trying, and that's Mises, all they're trying to do is they're trying to get power over you. This isn't about capital. A socialist appreciates having his fucking big mansion at the Stalin, at the, the, the Stalin Moscow retreat. They love having that shit. There isn't a socialist that wants to give their iPhone app. Not a one of them. So when we talk about socialism and these idiot socialists, let's be clear. They don't dislike, really dislike money. They don't like you having money. That's what I say. I've said that. I, I, I've said that. I've said that. Uh, you know, and I mean, for me, for me, I, I am the, all, all politics are bad, right? All politics are bad. For and sure. For me, the issue was everybody knows how conservatism for them or, or how uh, the Republican establishment is bad, right? Everybody mm -hmm. knows. It's, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's too clear now. When it comes to socialism or it comes to the Democratic Party, when it comes to left ideology in, in totality, no one attacks those issues because they've always played themselves off as the people's champ, you know? Uh, the you know they yes, speak they for the other, right? They speak for the little guy. They just don't speak for black people. This is this is something that people have not come to understand until Joe Biden got in office. For Christ's sake, like literally, we came out and we say these things, and they hate that we say these things. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that they can do to stop you from exposing them is conflate you with the right or conflate right. you with uh, this or with that. Whatever they can conflate to it to protect from the truth you just said, you know, when mm -hmm. uh, it when I, when I stand up on the, on the mic and I say that when I was locked up, Hispanics would join with white supremacists in gang wars against black people. I didn't say that as a joke. I said that because I've seen it with my physical eyes while having a DOC sentence. And when you say that on the on, on the on the mic, you say that on the podium. These people hate. That. They hate that. They hate the fact that you expose anti-blackness in our community. So you need someone to either who who represents them to say it for you, right? Or mm -hmm. be able to just break all of these things down faster than they can have a biased thought. So some so sometimes I ended up getting to the point where it was like a, a history lesson, then a fact check, then a, a gut check, and then <laughs> You know, like I had to get up there and, and break it down for them first. Right. And then work my way there. I was mm -hmm. I was really blessed to have people in other communities who were ready to speak on my behalf or, you know, on the behalf of black people from their perspective and, and say the things I was trying to say, because if it wasn't for them, then I would have been completely canceled in this environment because no one would have listened to me. It took women to get up there it took people in the queer community to get up there because i marched with these people so it took them getting up there and saying no he's he's got a pointer this is how we feel 
it took a lot of that. And also it's the equivalent of like the white man in a in a lab coat coming up there and you know saying, No, he's right, he's right. Yeah, yeah, they needed a they needed a, they needed a white cosign. They needed right. a white right. cosign. Right, right. Mm -hmm. What were you yeah, saying? Well, these, uh, your YouTube videos, you like you've uh, you posted one up on your YouTube. I, I digested your like whole discography and I thought we were gonna have you a couple weeks ago. So I was preparing. <laughs> yeah, yeah Nico, yeah, back, Nico got the but, calendar. We, we were we were talking about uh, you, but we didn't but, uh, we, we didn't tell him that we had scheduled it for two weeks later, and so he just like dove in and started digging. So go ahead, Nico. What were you? Yeah, no, I, I, want, I want you to so open up. I was uh seeing if um uh, were those like, did you post some of, of your videos up on YouTube? I remember seeing you stand up having a speech. I don't remember uh, the entire context of the video, but were these the same rallies? Yeah, some of these, some of these were the same. Some of these were the same. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, I, I think I've got like a wash of clips that I've been in, a, a part of. Um, there, there was a live streamer who followed us for a really long time. His name is Cut the Plastic. And uh, if you actually go on his live streams, you got to go way, way down uh, into a uh, what uh, past June, right? June, right? Yeah, June, June, July, somewhere in there, huh? To see, yeah, like that, like June. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you go down to June and just start there, a lot mm -hmm. of the night marches he follows were our night marches, and you you get to see also another thing that. Um, you know, that I had to work myself with and that you get to see is you get to see what it's like to be in an environment where first everybody's wild. Then you have to train these wild people to uh, essentially be a unit and, and take care of each other properly. And so you see mm -hmm. a lot of moments where things are just out of hand and I'm just running around trying to keep control with a few people who are also trying to do the same thing. You see a lot of that uh, in that mm -hmm. uh, in those in those uh, videos. But most of the most of the stuff I put on my YouTube, uh, those were you know me going at Brandon Tatum and going at the conservative establishment because before all of this, before I started going hard on these socialists, I was railing these conservatives. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, rightly so. Yeah. Right. So you know you have to go there. I think um, I think the last thing that I posted though was me uh, talking about my charges. Yeah, it's one of the things that, that, that I think we agree on. Uh, not that there's meant much that we disagree on, because honestly, I haven't heard a damn thing. <laughs> but one of the things that we, uh, that we uh, can agree on for sure is that uh, much of this nonsense that we're facing is, is, is basically brought on by either the left or the right trying to divide the already divided black community even farther down trying to to get it divided and keep us we're not supposed to talk because if we start talking then oh shit we got problems you know because oh, i'm a white dude and i'm in middle america and i can't be talking to a black guy oh no i can't do that got to keep us divided because the moment we start locking arms and walking forward in strength they know that they're lost and they know that the black community is a massive piece of that. And, and the proof is easy to see. You don't hear about COINTELPRO going after some other damn group. They did, but you don't hear about it. You hear about them going after the black community. You don't hear about them having to introduce crack into the into uh, inner city black communities. Um, you don't hear that about the Jewish community. You don't hear that about a bunch of rednecks down the road. You don't hear that. And the reason for 
for that is because they are scared to death of a strong black man and they will put that shit down in a heartbeat. So that tells you something. That tells you if the state is saying these people are an enemy and are a threat to me, that means that they I'm an anarchist. So that means that the, the, good the black community, right, the good kind, <laughs> the real kind. But I'm an anarchist. So that means that the, if the state sees the black community as its enemy, which it does, and it does all the time, it enslaves it constantly. If it sees the black community as an enemy, that means that I have a, an ally that I can push forward with and fight back against this murder and, and rape and pillaging of the entire world, which is caused by statism. So where I see um, this coming together is, is how can I help bring, you know, I'm a white dude. How can I help bring the, because when you described black nationalism, I'm like, okay, that's localization. That's not what I would define as nationalism. That's just caring about your community. How can I, as a white man, not get in your way and still lift you up? Uh, I, the same, and I've been asked this a, a bunch of times, and I always say, educate and then share that education. Lift up your fellow white person, right? Because one of the, you know, one of the things that slows the movement down itself is uh, uh, black people having to take time to teach a white person. You know, uh, I've spent hours, literal <laughs> hours on the ground until the sun's gone down and I'm getting pulled at by my shirt to leave. I've spent hours trying to educate people who should be educating themselves so that when they come see me, it's a, I feel you, what can I do next? You know, or, or where do I fit in? Or not even having to ask me where they fit in because right, they right. found their place. You know, uh, uh, my, my co-defendant from um, when I, my old case, when I had gotten locked up, he's in uh, Washington right now. He's a white dude. And he called me during this whole protest thing. And without my prompting, he was like, so I, have you read this book by Chancellor Williams? And I was like, I was like, is it called The Destruction of Black Civilization? He was like, yeah. He was like, <laughs> I can't believe this book isn't in school. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like, I mean, it makes sense, but man, so much of the stuff, if I'd have just known this or that, and, and our conversation flowed like water after that. And, and, mm -hmm. and that's really what it is, is that, you know, that the lack of education on the part of the white community and the lack of taking whatever education they do get from us and sharing it creates a blockage in our stream. And we cannot flow freely anymore because we are now trying to move this rock and that rock out of the way. Some of these you know, rocks are dense ass boulders who are just like, but you know, I, I don't see color. And you know, it's, it's all of this. And, and we have to break these things down. When you just educate your actual community, then it takes away from our job as educators for you. We're too busy trying to educate our own people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I should I should just be able to get up on uh, whatever rostrum or whatever mic or whatever stand and talk black only, right? I should just only be able to do that. And everyone in the audience know exactly why I'm doing it, right? Mm -hmm. They know exactly why I'm doing it. Or if I say black and indigenous people, they know why I as a black nationalist would do that because black nationalism is the only freedom movement in black society that has truly championed with 
the indigenous community because we see our nationalism and their nationalism is inherent in order for a society to be greater than what we perceive it to be, which is not great. And so you have to like break all of these barriers down to do these, uh, to, to, to really pass on this kind of message to people because it's hard. It's, you know, it's hard. So, you know, I say get a good book list, right? Get a good book list and break down that book list and then talk to your fellow black, uh, uh, you know, scholar or whoever who's versed on this topic, pick their brain. Because a lot of times you're going to, you know, like uh, white people, they've read a lot of um, uh, uh, Kwame Torre. They've read a lot of, of uh, Huey P. Newton, right? They, they love these brothers, right? And they love, uh, they love the socialism of certain black uh, uh, movers, right? They don't understand why they were socialist at that time. They don't understand how other black uh, leaders and scholars saw their socialism. What they definitely don't understand is that, uh, you know, all of these black leaders participated in a form of Pan-Africanism. And the root of Pan-Africanism is not socialism or any kind of ism. It is just Pan-Africanism. That's the only ism it is. And it is the, the destruction of white systems, which is, uh, you know, uh, conservatism and socialism and this and that. It's the breakdown of all those structures. And it, yeah, of statism, it's the breakdown of that. And so passing that on is something that a white person can do. They can, they can learn from us and then teach another white person. When they hear some wild shit in their, you know, when, when, when you're at, uh, you know, Kinko's or wherever the hell you work and you hear some, you know, you hear Jeff say some wild shit uh, across, the, across the way, you need to go over and check the shit out of Jeff. But you don't mm-hmm. got to go over there and check them like a white liberal and go, you're a fucking racist. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> right. you, go over there, you go over there and you show this man that you are now his teacher for a moment in time. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you gain a form of respect from this person. And then it allows you to convey your points better. And then you end up learning something as well. You learn how to communicate with other people. You, know, it's, um, you, you never stop being a student. And you show them that by speaking to them on a human level they expect you to, you know everybody expects you to, to 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 be to be uh to receive them in a in the wrong way or the way that they've been ill received before people rarely expect to be received the way they should be you know mm-hmm. the they, they really rarely With expect respect. yeah and so you show that what's first the oldest, what's the oldest studies that like or what's the first studies that you've gotten into that like really opened your eyes to like really um Hotep and like you know going back and like to the ancestors and whatnot and you know understanding like the bunny hole what was your first book down the bunny hole oh well my my first book down the bunny hole was chancellor williams uh was the destruction of black civilization i was i was in florida i was painting and uh as as a painter you got a lot of time you spend a lot of time on your knees crawling through the house standing and this and that because i just throw on books man i just throw on books and listen and play them over and over. And I played the destruction of black civilization three times over so that I could oh, wow. like, soak it up. And, uh, mm-hmm. and when I was done that book, I ordered it. And then after ordering that book, I went uh, into a, I got a book. It wasn't by a black person. It was uh, Toby Wilkinson's um, uh, Rise and Fall of Ancient Egypt, right? And uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to pair that book with the destruction of black civilization. I wanted to understand uh, uh, where, in fact, his uh, dissertation of African people in Kemet and where they, you know, moved to, I wanted to see if that matched up. 
And then I went and got a Bible. Then I went and got a Torah. Then I went and got a, uh, uh, it, it snowballed. I uh, went to uh, the boys next, then Booker T, then uh, uh, Shahrazad so that I could understand how to talk to a black woman. Um, I, uh, I, I went, I went deep Mali history, um, Nigerian history. I just kept going deeper and deeper because my goal, my goal was, cause I was starting to not believe in anything. I had just finished writing uh, 20 pages of my disbelief in anything at all, literally. Um, mm. I was, I was before all of this, I was walking towards Sam Harris and, mm. uh, and uh, uh, Richard Dawkins. Uh, I had read their books first, um, oh, Lawrence wow. Krauss, right? Um, I was like, right before all of this black history hit me, I was deep in astrophysics. I was deep in AI. Mm. I was only reading and studying that. And I was physically and emotionally and spiritually dying. I was losing faith in everything. Mm. And then I found African culture and I found uh, roots to our culture. That Spirituality within that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I found... I found the kinetic science because what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what hotepism is, is not a religion or what chemitism is not a religion. It's a science. It is a physical, mm. physical science. Everything else, your spirituality, that's on you. That's on you to find your spiritual base. But comedic mm. philosophy teaches you it's how to science. have a science. I mean, I'd be trying to explain that. Like I told my aunt, like, my my religion if you ever want to call it anything is nature that's just how i see it mm -hmm. and it's based off of science and science include and i talked to her about like energies and things of that nature and i'm like okay what you think you believe you're not throw that out the window because that's just that's just poor rhetoric um right. and then i start to i just start to uh go into like how uh we, uh, I read every day at least a little segment from uh, the philosophies of Mayat, the destruction of black, uh, uh, the European empire and things of that nature. And uh, I take little excerpts and just like remember them and spit it out and just try and get better philosophy because I suck at reading. I'm not going to lie, but, you know, um, I've been doing a little bit better. So, uh, but you know, it's just the building of the repertoire of getting the different information and like understanding more and more. Science is the reflection of nature and that's just how the ecosystem should just basically roll. And like, you can't just change it. Like nature is not cool with that. So, and that I've been more so researching of nature instead of like as black history I have, but it's gone back to like gone to, um, since I'm Haitian, I have gone into like been in Africa. I have to like go deeper into that. Um, I have most definitely gotten into um, uh, you, you the read about Wichita Indians. What happened? Uh, you, you read about Tucson Lovator? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, so um, yeah, man, it's just it's just so much culture I have to jump into, and it's like I'm at a standstill because I have to learn certain things of like my older culture, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> like so, it's just so much and it's crazy. It's crazy. So how uh the exact the specific transition uh and and this could probably help um that actually led me to not necessarily hope hotepism but African spirituality, the science of chemitism and all these other things, uh was 
not it was uh it was Herodotus. So I mm. had been listening to uh Herodotus histories. I listened to the whole entire book because I couldn't afford to buy the book at the time. And uh I listened to um a few other European historians and they were describing Israelites as Ethiopians and, mm. and Hebrews as Ethiopians. And these are obviously premier historians in the uh European community, correct? So mm-hmm. I was like, I was really intrigued because during this time I was also on my Kendrick kick and uh, mm-hmm. and I'm one of those people, I listen to old music. And so I was listening to the damn album, you know, yeah. way, yeah. way, way late. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> way, way late. And, and I was listening and he was like, you know, he was like, I'm an Israelite, I'm not black no more, right? And so for me, I was like, all right, I need to really understand these, uh, all these things that tie these things together, right? And so then I found Chancellor Williams. And then I found all these others. John Henry Clark opened my eyes to, uh, uh, his studies opened my eyes to African history in the form of its transition to black history. Because one of the things that you come to find, like when you uh, study Sheikh Antidiop, it's heavy, thick Egyptian, African Egyptian history. The sightings are so, it's getting through 10 pages is a, is a, is a milestone. And so, and it's not tying you to black America. It's, it's teaching you an African system, right? Anything shape, right? And so going into John Henry Clark, I was able to understand how that philosophy breaks to us. What does that mean, right? Because one of the, one of the things that you will come across is the, well, we're not Egyptian, right? Because you know, not every, not every African lived in Egypt, right? Here's the thing, first of all, not it was in Egypt before people were calling in Egypt, and right. was a lot larger in the minds of African people than it is in the minds of those who drew lines on a map. Okay, uh, migrations took history and took science and religion, right. which is why so many other spiritual systems mirror the Egyptian mm. spiritual system. It's mm, not that practice, it's not that they're mirroring Egypt; it's that they're mirroring Kemet, which is older than Egypt. It is the root mm-hmm. of that. And so uh, getting to that right there allows you to kind of open up the waters for people. And so, you, you know, my transition was it was the European philosophies into that because European scholars were talking about their interactions with black uh, culture, you know, this type of culture. And I needed to know where, where that culture existed. And the only way to find that is to dive in. And I got blown up. Um, uh, if you uh, I don't know if you've ever heard um, Marcus Aurelius. Uh, he has a book called Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, right? It's a really great book. Mm-hmm. I've listened to it. I've read it. It's a great book. Marcus Aurelius, we have an equivalent for that in the African world. It's called Patahotep, and he's older than Marcus Aurelius. And the instructions, the teachings of Patahotep are solid in the eyes of what uh, African spiritual comedic philosophy is and how it mm-hmm. transcends. And it also shows you how others take from it for their own philosophies. Um, but you have to like, you really have to pair your history with your religion because that is a history book. And there's mm-hmm. a lot in that that will tell you that will, uh, that, you know, it's, it's not justifying the existence of the most high. What it's doing is justifying the existence of a of places in time. And mm-hmm. once you read your history, study your war history. Um, you know, for me, I couldn't stop soaking up war history. 
uh, I, it got to the point where I was thirsting online for it. I found Dan Carlin, and <laughs> Dan Carlin is a great uh, was a great uh, teacher of uh, um, of history as far as uh, the way that he expressed it. Right, so I would listen and be captivated by Dan Carlin. And I heard him teaching the story of, uh, of, of you know, like uh, not uh, Sumerians, um, Persians. And he, he was going back to the story of 300 before that, right? And historically, and historically and religiously, those things tie to black people directly. Mm-hmm. There are moments in those histories that are affected because of the African continent and what we've done mm-hmm. to progress society. So like, really it is a thirst for these things together that allows you to make connections, to, to de- debate others, to, to share your philosophy, because you got to be able to tie it all together because there's a lot of contradictions in all, in all of our histories and you have to be able to express those contradictions, tell what they mean. You know, you, you, you just have to, you have to have an arsenal. I have always been telling people and I will never stop telling people, if you don't know your history, you have half a soul because you're, you're, you're only fighting with the hill. You're not doing anything mm. else. Mm-hmm. effective because you don't have a base you know they, mm-hmm. they 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 steal from black people based on history you know what i'm saying based on the history we don't know they take from us right, they, right. We, we're black people now because of a history that they know mm-hmm. right? we're yeah I want to I want to add to the discussion too. One of the things that that I find interesting about this is because I have an I don't know if you know anything about this, but I have an interesting spirituality myself, and it is vastly based. I mean, just enormously based on the African continent, <laughs> and because it, I am massively influenced not only by the Egyptian pantheon and the and the Egyptian. Uh, belief systems and all of those kinds of things, but I'm also massively influenced by Haitian voodoo, by Santeria, and by those kinds of spiritualities. What I have made Santeria. Do what? I said. What? I said. My people made Santeria. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. I studying the the Yoruba and the people. Anyway, everyone in West Africa has massively impacted me. But what I have found is because before I started looking into African religion, I had looked into Hermeticism. I had looked into, um, you know, like Kabbalah and uh, all of those kinds of things. And what I found for myself, and and to be clear, my wife. Um, her primary like spiritual uh, vision comes from Sumeria. She's very interested in the Babylonians, the Sumerians, and all of all of them. So you 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 start there. But when it when Egypt really comes into its own historically, that's the hub. And what happens with religion is Egypt had it all. They understood how all of this shit works. They understood the organization that becomes Kabbalah, that becomes Western religion. When you start talking about Christianity and Islam and and those religions and the, and the metaphysical practices of the West, that all, for the most part, some of it comes from India as well, but most of Western religion comes from Egypt. So a lot of it goes that goes off into to the Middle East and up into Europe. And you can follow it with languages, too, because languages and religion follow the same path. Mm-hmm. And but if you go the other way and you go deep into Africa, it does the same shit. It's just that white people aren't in charge. So the same shit, the development and the splitting up of the religion that the Egyptians understood 
um, gets divided in two and it gets kind of co-opted in the up into Europe and into Asia. But the, the, the strong, deep spiritual beliefs get carried. Now, sometimes that just gets pounded on a drum and the, the, and some of the, the deeper significance gets lost and they don't know why there's this pattern or whatever. But that follows itself into voodoo, into Santeria, into Kimbanda, into Umbanda, into Kondomble, into all of these different African-centric religions that make it to today, including what is currently practiced in Benin. So the, these, these same religions, just to back up what you're saying, I've been studying this crap since I was um, like 12 years old and I'm 46. So I've been studying it for a little while. That's what I've been looking at is, is that religious um, expansion. So what I'm trying to say is, you're right. This, this Egyptian influence or Kemetic influence on the, the world is never given the credit that it's supposed that it should have. And those people knew so much more than we do religiously. Yeah, we're just we're just rediscovering some shit that people knew millennia ago. <laughs> For sure. And acting and, like we fucking found some shit out. It's like right. And you can see and you can see the perversion of this because talking about like you were talking about the Greek historians and stuff that you've studied, um, like you can see it in language. When we talk about the Egyptian deities, for instance, we say uh the, the god of information or the god of writing, uh, god of magic, um uh to, uh, it's Thoth. That if you ask anybody, they're going to say Thoth. It's the Ibis-headed god. That was pronounced Tahuti. <laughs> yes, it is T-H-O-T-H, but that is Tahuti. And people just lose that context. And I think that one of the things that I see in you particularly, I'm inspired a bit, sorry, that I see in you particularly is the ability to, to funnel information. You know, I, I've done some of the things that you're talking about that we should do. I'm looking deeper and will continue to look deeper. I asked Chad um, a few days ago, actually, uh, because I've, like I said earlier, I've studied Malcolm. I've looked at some of the, the some of the just peripheral, uh, black nationalist stuff. And so I started studying um, like um, I, I recently he made me a list and I started looking at the, the different leaders that that are influencing the Hotep Nation because I've become, you know, influenced by Hoteps massively because I've become friends with Hotep Jesus and things like that. And so like um, I started reading, for instance, Kwame Ture today, and oh my God, I, I get what you're saying about the socialist influence and all of that stuff, but there is no purer words about war than that dude spits out. So I, I'm going, right, I, I'm going to keep diving and I'm going to keep digging. And it, it is people like you that inspire that. And I want to just continue to work together and build a better world and a freer world together.